Pastor Xavier Reese, professing the Savior for whom the grave couldn't hold him. Jesus died to be raised from the dead. And because that was the plan, and that was the accomplishment, then Jesus imparts eternal life. No one else, not Allah, not Buddha, not Krishna, or anybody else has ever risen from the dead. They're still in their graves. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. For many, Easter means colored eggs, chocolate bunnies, and baskets filled with gifts and favors. Still, for others, it's looking forward to a spring break from the rigors of school. Yet, for everyone, Easter Sunday ought to mark the resurrection of the living Christ, which means an eternity secured. Continuing a special message today, Pastor Xavier discusses the price Jesus paid to conquer death on our behalf and the glorious resurrection that sealed the deal for our salvation. Let's listen. So what I want to do is speak to you about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from a threefold perspective. First, we want to look at Jesus was born to die on the cross. He was born to die on the cross. Secondly, Jesus died to be raised from the dead. And then we'll finish looking at the fact that Jesus being raised from the dead imparts eternal life. And that's the whole goal. He imparts eternal life for you if you believe what God has said, that you might be with him for all eternity. Now Jesus, who was eternal, took on a temporal human body at a set time. John tells us in John 1, 1, uh, in the beginning the was the Word. The Word was with God, and God was the Word. So from all eternity, Jesus was from the beginning eternal. In the beginning was the Word. And then a miraculous thing, he stepped out of eternity and stepped into the the period and domain of man. And it says that the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, John 1, 14. God became man. Jesus was a child born to us, a son that was given, called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, in Isaiah 9, 6. And Jesus was the one who was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed, Isaiah 53, 5 says. Jesus was born so that he might die in the place of sinners. Jesus was born to die on the cross. That was his mission. Secondly, Jesus died to be raised from the dead. Thank God it wasn't just to die. <laughs> At the Last Supper, Jesus, prior to being betrayed by Judas Iscariot, he says, all of you will are made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep and the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. In Matthew 26, 31, 32. Jesus and death became then the payment for sin by the resurrection and the author of eternal life. If there wouldn't have been a resurrection, his death would have been in vain. It revealed the fall of Adam and the essential problem between man and God. As Adam sinned, death came in and physical and spiritual. The spiritual took first priority and then physical ultimately. 
And there was a separation, and he inherited a sin nature. And after Adam had children, then they became, after his image, fallen. Your children are just like you. They're sinners. They inherit sin nature. Therefore, it qualifies all sinners because we all fall short of the glory of God, as Romans says. No one can boast, ladies and gentlemen. Therefore, I have to walk in the spirit or I will walk in the flesh. Regardless of the years I've walked with God, I still have sin nature. But thank God I'm not in bondage to anymore. Charles Spurgeon declared the following about the gospel. Quote, the hearing of the gospel involves the hearers in responsibility. It is a great privilege to hear the gospel. You may smile and think there is nothing very great in it that the man or the damned in hell know. Oh, what would they give if they could hear the gospel now? If they could come back and entertain but the shadow of a hope that they might yet escape from the wrath to come. The saved in heaven estimate this privilege at a high rate. For having obtained salvation through the preaching of the gospel, they can never cease to bless their God for calling them by his word of truth. Oh, that you knew it. On your dying beds, the listening to the gospel sermon will seem another thing than it seems now. We only have a certain amount of time, a certain amount of opportunities, but the ball's in our court. We make those choices. Paul came down hard on the Corinthians. As you know, they were denying the resurrection, yet they were saying they were Christians. And in um, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, Paul says, For I delivered to you first all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So everything that took place in the life of Jesus was prophetic from the Old Testament. There was no New Testament when Jesus died. It was written afterwards. Everything is according to Scripture. Paul declares some implications in that same chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. He says, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. We're deceiving ourselves. Paul said to them, the consequence, if there really is no resurrection, are devastating. In verse 15 of that chapter, yes, we are found false witnesses of God, first of all, because we have testified of God that he raised up Jesus, whom he did not raise, if, in fact, the dead do not rise. So you see, the resurrection of Christ and the raising of the dead are both joined together. If he did not rise, then we're lying about people being raised from the dead. And if people don't raise from the dead, that means Jesus didn't rise from the dead. They're tied together. So any hope apart from Christ is really hopeless. The cross is the payment for the sins of the world, as we said. But the resurrection is the receipt that God accepted that. Paul again declared to the Corinthians the horror of the condition if there is no resurrection in verse 16 and 17 of 1 Corinthians 15. He says, For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. I can't imagine that. To think that you are safe while you're in danger. That I'm deceiving myself. And that one day I'm going to have to give an account for all of my sins. That's what Paul is saying. If we're preaching a false gospel. 
But such is not the case, thank God. Paul also tells the Corinthians that if there is no resurrection, then the gospel is deceptive and vain hope. Listen, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable, or in other words, the most to be pitied because we've deceived ourselves. We're saying things that aren't true. We're promising people things that we cannot deliver, and they're false. Wow. But Paul asserts the truth of the resurrection. He says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. The term fallen asleep is only used for Christians. It's a term for those who have died physically in Christ. It doesn't mean you sleep in the grave. The minute you die, you're instantly present before the Lord. You're never found naked. Paul says it twice, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. Paul guarantees the victory. Listen to him. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment. The twinkle of the eye, the last trump. For the trump will sound, the dead in Christ will rise uh, incorruptible and shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades. Or hell, where is your victory? For the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thank be to God who gives us this victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, Jesus died to be raised from the dead. And because that was the plan, and that was the accomplishment, then Jesus, being raised from the dead, imparts eternal life. No one else Not Allah, not Buddha, not Krishna, or anybody else you want to put in there has ever risen from the dead. They're still in their graves. Jesus stands apart from every other religious guru, prophet, or whatever you want to call them. He is the Son of God, God himself, who took on flesh, died for you, rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for you. Man. The message of faith is believing the provisions of God, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 through 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of God unto salvation, the Jew first and the Gentile. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith of faith. The just shall live by faith alone. He's quoting Habakkuk 2, 4. The gospel's Old Testament proclamation. You understand? The message of faith in Christ is our substitute. Believing that, then his righteousness is imputed to me. It's put on my account. Just like if I would tell you this morning, listen, I just put a million dollars in your bank account. Well, what I got to do? Nothing. Just believe that I've done it. There's a catch. No? And you don't believe it. So you never check your check account. I open an account for you. You have to just go down and verify. You don't do it. And you die without collecting the million dollars. And that's exactly what people do every day of their life as they die and enter eternity, having salvation on their account, but they refuse to draw on it. Wow. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. 
because everyone who hung on a tree was a curse. Galatians 3.13 tells us, according to the law. Christ has entered the holy place, and I made with hands, as you know, which is a copy of the true one. He's in heaven, appearing in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself again. He offered himself once and for all. Hebrews 9, 25 and 26 tells us. Thank God. The Old Testament, the priest had to offer sacrifice after sacrifice. Cleansing after cleansing. Another priest had to take his place when they died. They were all prophetic in shadows of types of the ultimate high priest, Jesus Christ. He offered one sin himself, once and for all. And it doesn't have to be repeated. It's effective. This good news is an invitation to all mankind then to repent from their sins. There's the condition. Often you hear the gospel, you know, salvation is, is unconditional. No, it's wrong. Salvation is conditional. You must repent. And if you repent, it's because you agree with God that you're a sinner. See, some people preach a powerless gospel. They just say, hey, God's a God of love. He embraces everybody. Just try to do your best. Nah, that's not the God of the gospel. My God is holy. My God says he can't look upon sin unless he's got the provision for that sin. Otherwise, he has to judge sin. He justifies us. He forgives us based on Christ's provision, and he makes us a new creature. All things pass away. Everything becomes new, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Whiter than snow, man. He buries your sin in the deepest ocean, casts it as far as he says the west, puts it behind his back, and he never remembers your sin. Where are you going to get a deal like that? Now, you're going to remember. And that's good that you remember. I know some of you, oh, Lord, let me forget. Lord, no, can't you take this from me? No. Because if you didn't remember, you would never appreciate his love and his grace. You understand? He wants you to always remember how much he loves you and what a miracle he's done in your life to make you a child of God by grace. Amazing. Recognizing that God is not willing that any should perish, 2 Peter 3, 9, but that all should come to repentance. And yet we know that because God is not willing that any should perish, he died for all. But we know not all will believe. So many will perish. But it's not by God's doing. Is by men and women's choices. They make it every day. It implies confession, agreement with God once again, with the revelation of God. It implies my, not only my repentance, but my consecration to God, my commitment to God to obey Him, to walk Him, but not before I'm born again. I come to Him as I am so that He can change my heart, He can give me a new mind, and give me His Spirit and His Word, so then I can do it. If you want to get your life together before you come, you'll never come. You can't get it together. All you can do is mess it up more. Who would like a second shot at life? Not me. I'd probably mess it up worse. I'm satisfied with what God has done. The message of both the Old and the New Testament is summed up in one word. Repentance. Bottom line. A change of mind with a change of heart. All the prophets of the Old Testament call the people to repentance as they apostatize from God. John the Baptist opened his ministry preaching repentance. When John got thrown in jail, Jesus picked up his ministry. 
and he preached repentance. The disciples and apostles preached repentance. True servants of God preached repentance. If you go to a church that doesn't preach repentance from sin, you're in the wrong place. You're not in the church of Jesus Christ. Today, the gospel is watered down. It's lukewarm. It's sanitized. And it's into works and socialism instead of repentance. Only repentance can bring the work of God. Nothing else. The good news comes only through the person of Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 he said, I'm the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father by me. And that one statement I've told you often, Jesus destroyed every way, every religion, every philosophy, everything. Now, that offends people. But you have to agree with God. Either he's telling the truth or he's lying. Acts 4.12 says, There's no other name given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. Jesus Christ. So that means... Mary can't save me. Peter can't save me. Allah can't save me. Buddha can't save me. Daffy Duck can't save me. Nobody can. Only Jesus Christ. No one else. This is what God says. No other. Jesus Christ. Wow. Spurgeon put it this way. I used to think if I could see the lost in hell, surely I must weep for them. But there is no such sentiment as that known in heaven. The believer that should be satisfied with all of God's will, even their loss has been their own fault. If my parents could see me in hell, he says, they would not have a tear to shed for me, though they were in heaven. For they would say, it is just thou great God. Wow, that is amazing, isn't it? And the greatest thing about it is not his opinion. It's absolutely biblically accurate. He goes on to say, Oh, believe me, if you could roll all sins into one mass, if you could take murder, blasphemy, lust, adultery, fornication, everything that is vile, and unite them all in one vast glob of black corruption, they would not equal one of the most essential sins it is the sin of unbelief. This is the monarch's sin, the quintessence of guilt, the mixture of venom of all crimes, the dredge of all wine of Gomorrah. It is the A1 sin, the masterpiece of Satan, the chief work of the devil, unbelief. I stand in judgment of God, and I say, you're wrong. Of course, I say it nice. Well, you know, I, I just, you know, everybody has their own interpretation. And, you know, I mean, uh, we don't really know for sure. Shut up. We know for sure. He signed it in blood. He's put it in the Bible. We're deceiving ourselves. The diagnosis of sin is that it is eternal. We're born in trespasses and sins. Dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. From the minute we come out from our mom's womb, we're speaking lies, the Proverbs says. And we thought we were crying. <laughs> and we learn real fast as we grow up. We become real efficient at it. Sin is not an invention of Christianity. 
Pick any section of history in the internet, pull it up. See if you can find the goodness of man. You'll find some good deeds. Because we're creating the image of God, we have a potential for good. But our bent's towards evil. The scriptures teach us that hell and the lake of fire are a real place, not a scare tactic. Matthew 25, 41 says that Gehenna, or lake of fire, same place, was made for Satan and his angels. That's what it's created for. Not for any person. And in spite of that, countless of people will be there by choice of the rejection of the message of the gospel of where they live. The truth is that God wants no one to be there. And yet the truth is that many will perish and end up there. But we can never accuse God, can we? The agreement is simple. You must acknowledge that you're a sinner under God's wrath and that the only way to come to God is through repentance in the name of Jesus Christ, trusting in Him. That repentance is called godly repentance. In 2 Corinthians 7.10 it says, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. You remember when you were a world before you were a Christian? You got drunk, smashed your car, you got your girlfriend pregnant, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. And you go, oh, and you felt bad, you cried, oh, what am I going to do? Your life turned upside down. But then after a month or two, we're doing the same stuff again. That type of regret, remorse, brings forth death. We don't learn from it. We just think, I'll be smarter next time. But the repentance that is godly, we never regret that we turn from it. You understand? When I accepted Jesus Christ in 1973, I've never regretted at one time that I, that I repented. I am so glad I repented. I am so thankful to the Lord. Man. Believing the gospel. Making an honest confession. Agreeing with him that I'm a sinner. And then... He enables me to abandon sin as a lifestyle. Never perfect, but I don't live there any longer by the grace of God. I've told you often the Chinese character that represents the word crisis means two things, danger and opportunity. Danger if you don't take the right road or make the right decision. Opportunity if you do. This is the gospel. It means danger and opportunity. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, then it's a great opportunity for you to turn from your sin and to call on the Lord. If you ignore it, it's a great danger for the wrath of God will remain upon you. He can do no other. He's the epitome of holiness. But he allows you to make that choice. His love has been demonstrated. Everything has been done. You will live eternally. Where you will live will depend upon your decision of Jesus Christ. Jesus being raised from the dead imparts eternal life. That's what he does. And so the resurrection of Jesus Christ is clearly laid out. Jesus was born to die on the cross, and he did so. Jesus died to be raised from the dead, and he was so. And Jesus, being raised from the dead, now imparts eternal life. And that's what he's been doing for over 2,000 years. You're the next to hear the gospel. What are you going to do about it? 
it will depend where you spend eternity. Pastor Xavier Reese, laying out God's plan of salvation and the accountability we have to choose or reject God's gift of eternity. Now, if you'd like a copy of today's study to dig even deeper into its teaching, or perhaps pass one on to a friend, it's titled, Jesus Conquered Death, and you can request a CD for just $4. And by the way, we'll be including even more material that we didn't have time to include on the air. Once again, the title to ask for is, Jesus Conquered Death, or simply mention today's date. Now, here's where to write. Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or phone us at 800-926-1485. That's 800-926-1485. Or here's our address once again, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 